Let's get our sweater sh- uh, picture first. Once Mister Ugly Sweater stops looking at his phone, a- am I am I boring you, Brian? <laughs> yes. All right. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us for the Pumpkin Podcast. I'm ready. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 51 of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and looking forward to some time off this holiday season. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. This is our last show before the holidays, but rest assured we're still working hard to bring you awesome content. So where other podcasts do best of episodes, we'll be doing a real episode next week. With me... I have my co-host, Duke Silver, who's always taking time off regardless of holidays. Hey, that I am, but I still think we should take a page out of the office and do like an awards version of the PEPCAC. So they have the Dundies, we'll have the PEPCACIs. How about that? PEPCACIs. Yeah, you know, the the trophy will be a pair of khakis or something. Yeah, yeah. PEPCACIs. PEPCACIs, get it? Got it. All right. Well, I don't, but I'll say yes. We'll have to come up with the winning criteria for each of that, but stay tuned. We'll see if we can get this one done. And we have Glenn Medina with his fresh haircut and still shaking off the side effects from that company holiday party. Hey, everyone. I tell you what, I am feeling like 10 pounds lighter uh, just from uh, the haircut there. It was a great thing. I, I I tried to not get it done and resist it as long as I could, but I was under uh, strict orders from my wife to go get it done. So it's done. I thought you just had a massive BM, so that's good to know. <laughs> that would have been 20 pounds, Brian. Oh, okay. All right, and demonetization, Deech, taking us off the rails immediately, less than two minutes in. Um, I just said no BM. Kidding. That could be anything. All right. Everyone knows what it is, though. (laughs) (laughs) Ballistic missile, of course. Yes. No guests this week as we close out the year. Combined, we have decades of information security experience here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four fantastic stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is our annual Christmas sweater episode. And as always, Check us out on our Instagram at Pebcac Podcast to see Glenn's new haircut and what we're all wearing this year. I obviously won the ugly sweaty sweater contest this year, so eat my shorts. I don't know. I think my uh, my dancing shark is doing pretty well. And I think my vintage throwback Windows ninety five sweater should have won the company christmas sweater party so i did enter our company's christmas sweater party i got cheated uh, I, I the vote was rigged and i demand a recount <laughs> who won and what was their sweater windows yeah. 98 windows se no so me so the, the reason i'm demanding a recount and i'm gonna say the vote was rigged was the winner of this year's quote you know christmas sweater party so you have the christmas sweater party uh, everybody knows what a Christmas sweater is. It's supposed to be like an ugly sweater or a Christmas-related sweater. 99% of the people follow directions to enter that in. So this one guy at the company entered with a Star Wars poncho, which 
as a side note, it was cool, but it had nothing to do with being a Christmas sweater. And people voted for him and he won. So that's why I think he should have been disqualified. We should add a recount. The second place winner, his was actually pretty cool. It was a Christmas sweater of his dog, his actual dog. He printed a picture of his dog on the sweater. So I'll give him that. But the guy with the Star Wars poncho, no way. He but should have Chris, been disqualified. If, if, if he should have won, then you would have took second place. I'll I'll lose gracefully to the guy that printed a picture of his dog on his shirt. I will not lose gracefully to a guy that blatantly broke the rules. It must have been well, an just ugly like dog. This, like anything else. Maybe there's some hidden messaging behind the, the chat channels at Zscaler on uh, what, what should have happened but didn't, just like t- Twitter files. Yeah, I think there's some voter suppression out here. Somebody hacked the voting machines. I don't think we didn't have an independent audit of the results. So I'm, I'm going to be filing my lawsuit soon, and we'll see if I'm vindicated on this one. There you go. I'm going to say no. You are not. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hunch. All right. Today we're going to open the show with some closing loop feedback about a story where alarm fatigue almost killed someone. For our first topic, Apple launches new security protections. Next, Apple kills a project to scan your photos. For our third topic, we'll talk about a very expensive party that no one showed up to. And close with a debate about airplane seat saving. Only on Southwest, because... Everywhere else, you get an assigned seat. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah. Yes, Glenn. Thank you for spoiling the story. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No closing the loop this week for me. How about my co-host? I had one, but I forgot. So moving on. Yes. Neither do I. For our opening topic, it's never funny when someone almost loses their life, but... As someone who's done InfoSec for decades, you have to see the humor in this story. A woman in Germany, the authorities arrested her after she spent some time in the hospital for allegedly turning off her roommate's ventilator because it was making a warning beep that was too loud and was bothering her. The nurses eventually came in to see what was up and warned her not to turn off her roommate's ventilator again since it's literally required for her to breathe. Soon enough, the ventilator started beeping again, and not lending her lesson, she turned it off again. Well, the next visit she got was from German authorities, who arrested her, and now she's being charged with attempted manslaughter. So I totally would have unplugged it as well. Like, <laughs> it, like, like if, if the smoke alarm battery warning is going off anywhere in my house, it will wake me up from the slumber of sleep. And I have to fix it. Like, I can't just go back to sleep. It just, it like, it sends, like, this shockwave of just terror through my body for some reason. I have no idea. And then the other thing, if there are, like, every once in a while, I think it's, like, right around monsoon season, freaking crickets get in our house. And crickets outside, don't bug me. Crickets inside my house, they're always in my kitchen. Drives me nuts. I can't, like, I just get up and leave. I can't even stand it. I just, I'll just go upstairs. Like, I will bang around like an idiot trying to figure out where these things are and try to kill them all. I've spent crazy amounts of money to make sure that they don't get into the house, but they always do. And it just drives me nut- insane. So yeah, if I'm on my deathbed and some ventilator starts beeping, I'm unplugging that if I, if I can. <laughs> well, if you're not on your deathbed and you're just like in there for, you know, wrist surgery or something. 
Same. It, well, I would. Like, I can't you. stand it. Yeah. Unlike you, Brian, I can sleep anywhere. I'm an old military guy. I can sleep marching. So, yeah, not a problem there. Uh, but the, kind of funny, right? Like, what kind of hospital is it that has a lady with a vent, a person with a ventilator and a person that can stand up and move around and turn stuff off? Normally, the two don't go together. Like, they, it's like ICU on one side where no one can really move. And then people that are mobile, like, in a different part of the unit. Yeah, that's how they do things in Germany. Maybe our German listeners can let us know. Yeah. Well, a bed is a bed. Is, uh, what is it? Uh, social health care over there, right? So a bed's a bed over there. Yeah. And and Brian, back to your point about spending massive amounts of money on this this cricket evasion uh, technique or eviction, mm-hmm. sorry, cricket eviction problem. Why don't you just buy a bunch of lizards? Don't lizards eat crickets? <laughs> And even better, they're quiet. They don't make a lot of noise. Yeah, lizards. Just release a bunch of lizards in your house. Cricket problem solved. Or, or some like mini. You live in Arizona. How about some mini snake, some snakes, some baby snakes? These crickets got into the second story of my house, like in my bedroom. I would have left. I just go rent a hotel a room for three months. Burn the like house would... down. No, it doesn't gross me out. I just can't sleep. It just drives me freaking insane. So it's just crickets that make noise drive you insane, not quiet crickets. Crickets inside my house making noise. Crickets outside, peaceful. Love it. It's the outdoors, baby. Inside of my house, mm-mm. No way. I'm done. Gotcha. So you know those, okay, so those now annoying... We know this... I'm sure Chris is already writing this down. He's going to buy one of those things where it just says like a random beep or a cricket chirp. And you like you place it near their, their desk and it just, it just does it, you know, like three, two or three times an hour. It just drives people bonkers, aren't you? Yeah, so you when you when you cut me off there, I was literally about to say that. I said, "Well, I know for the next time we're together, sales kickoff or whatever, I'm going to buy one of those Annoyatron things, hide it in your room, and then you'll have to change rooms." I would. I, would. I actually did that. I was, uh, I think I was in Reno once, and I could hear cricket in my hotel room, and I was like, I, I moved the refrigerator trying to find it. Like, not. It was one of those like those uh, hotel rooms that you can actually has like a full stove and microwave. I was on a mission to find that thing and I could not find it. So I was like, I get, after like about 45 minutes, I gave up and I went downstairs. I was like, I need another room guys. <laughs> I I can see how I'm coming off right, right now. And I, I need you to edit all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, the benefit of being the editor. I get to choose what stays in and what gets cut. I just keep it in there. Hopefully, just bugging people. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, that we know. So we learned something new about what yet another thing that annoys Brian. You should have brought that and up on that note, last week. On the top last of week's one. episode for things that annoy you. You should have said crickets. That's something that doesn't annoy most people. But only annoy- crickets inside the house making noise. Fire alarms making noise. Microwave beeping, right. let you know the food's done, making noise. Ugh. All right. For our first topic, there are a few related news stories that have been making their rounds regarding Apple. The first one is Apple unveiled new security and privacy protections, much to the cheer of security practitioners all over the world. And we're going to lay them out for you. First, Apple introduced a new feature. Whenever someone you're having an iMessage conversation with If they add a new device to their account and begins communicating to you with it, Apple will notify you. 
And that's to stop governments or ex-lovers from adding a new device with someone else's iCloud account to try and continue an ongoing conversation while impersonating the other person. Next, Apple added support for hardware key multi-factor authentication. So my YubiKey with a lightning connection is finally useful. Apple has supported and encouraged multi-factor authentication since 2016, but just added hardware key support thought to be the strongest form of multi-factor authentication. Lastly, Apple now adds full end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups. Apple has no reason to mine your data, so they do not care if it's encrypted or not. As we've discussed on this podcast before, Apple is an iPhone company. Companies like Amazon, Google, and Meta are advertising companies, so they need your data unencrypted so that they can mine it. Not surprising, the US FBI immediately released a statement that they are deeply concerned about these new privacy protections Apple is implementing. They make it that much harder for the FBI to conduct surveillance operations and use Warrant or the Patriot Act to peek at someone's iCloud backup data. So I'm all for this. I love the the iMessage stuff. I feel like Signal does that too. Like if you get a new device, it like forces you to approve it from a currently working device, right? There's that. And then there's also the people that you message with. It says their safety number has changed. So they want you to verify out of band that their safety number has changed. So Brian, every time you get a new phone, I get a notification that your safety number changed. And I have to ask you, did you get a new phone? And if you say yes, then I say, yeah, I verified them. Blink twice if you're safe. Are you under so, duress? Yeah. Are you under duress? As a consumer, I, I love this, right? Um, for somebody that sells enterprise security, I hate it. But what's the, like, I guess the outcome here is at some point in time, I think BYODs is going to go away. Right? Don't you think that, that this is going to be a thing where you just can't bring your own Why would BYD go away? Because I can't inspect, I can't do anything with it. It's useless to me. And I keep giving people well, access to my stuff. I should just eventually stop supporting BYOD entirely. So I think it's going to go the other way, where the data exists not inside of the device, but inside of the SaaS application. So therefore, corporate devices are going to go away. Yeah, when you think about things like VDI and browser isolation and things like that, those are the typical BYO use cases. Like Glenn said, the data resides somewhere securely, and there's some kind of isolated container that prevents the enterprise data from touching the user's personal device. So I, I think I'm in agreement with Glenn on that one. I think BYOD is going to be the way of the future, and then they're going to implement other controls that prevent users from stealing this data. Go ahead. Is it maybe for a laptop, but I don't see it for, for mobile devices like cell phones, iPads? Right. Yeah, probably not. I. Think about where you guys are right now, though. Think about where everybody is right now with the mobile devices. It's kind of like the wild, wild west, right? It is. I think they're starting so making a like, determination to not let you just can't use your own personal device for business communications, and then everything else would be locked down. We got customers that do that today. Yeah, and the, I know Outlook has some pretty good protections. I somebody in my circle works for a company and they have to use the native outlook app 
on their phone to get work email, they cannot use the native Apple Mail app on the phone. And then within the Outlook app, there's things like copy-paste protection and some other, even without MDM, like they can do copy-paste protection and passcode enforcement and things like that. So for at least for Mail, which is probably the majority use for mobile devices, uh, you probably do like per app VPN as well if you need it too, but... I think, <laughs> I think like perhaps VPN. I think mobile BYO mobile. I think is 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 gonna be here to stay. I, I'll be honest with you. I think everyone's head in the sand when it comes to mobile. It's like everyone likes the freedom of being able to work off of their off of their own phone, whatever the device that may be. For a company to say no, you're not going to get access to it. I just remember those days of carrying two phones: one corporate phone and one personal phone. At some point in time, corporations are going, man, this is really a sick cost. We've got to be able to find a better solution than paying, you know, thousands of dollars for or hundreds of thousands of dollars for mobile devices or devices in general. Yeah, Zen Mobile had a good solution to that a while ago when I worked at Citrix. They they had the personal container and then they had the work container. So you could, it, as you're essentially enrolling in an MDM, but the MDM was only to install these work apps and these work apps were their own sandbox and they block copy paste and screenshotting and all that. So I, I wonder whatever happened to them. That was a pretty fast growing market before I guess now it's workspace and is mobile iron even still around or good from Blackberry? I think they're still around. It's whether or not they're really doing anything with the product or yeah. who they're selling to. If somebody came to me, like if, if Zclear is like, Hey, we're going to start using good for mobile iron. I'd be like, where do I submit my two week notice? <laughs> that's I think I that's, about that. Yeah, that's that's always tough. Like BYO on your laptop, fairly straightforward. BYO for your mobile, very touchy subject. The only way we got so at the company I worked for a while ago where I was a sysadmin, the only way we got around that was we paid for the user's Blackberry, we paid for their service and said if you want work email you're going to use your work BlackBerry, but we paid for everything. And that was the only way we could get, get away with that one. How, how many people do you think these days will go, well, if you want corporate email when you're not at your desk and you're at home, you're going to have to take our device. And a lot of them will probably go, yeah. all right, I guess I'm, you'd leave that BlackBerry at work then. Yeah. Go pound sand. <laughs> go pound sand. <laughs> Try getting a hold of me then. <laughs> so. Woohoo. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Double-edged sword for sure. But good on Apple. They've made themselves privacy first. They've championed privacy for mobile devices, and iPhones, iPads, and, and the like. And they're really making good on their word on that one. So I'm definitely happy to see these things happening. And much to the annoyance of law enforcement agencies. What about the, the YubiKey support? Is that with a new release of iOS? Yes. Yeah. So I think it's coming either this month, end of this month or early next year. They're going to support the hardware two-factor and it'll be YubiKey. I think they might support the Titan key as well, but YubiKey for sure, because that's the one they're using in all their screenshots. I just hope this continues, right? Um, you know, they don't own a social platform, so you don't have to worry about being you know, have them having data into that. I, I, I like I, I like where they're at right now. Like you said, they're they're a hardware based company and not an advertisement based company. So this is good. Um, I just hope uh, you know they like I said, like the Kenny Hales, they're doing this for the for the good, not 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 for silencing or not for anything else. 
Can and can the, the big oh, go ahead. It's a, the big asterisk to this actually. So before I give Apple too much praise, the big asterisk is for this is does this apply to China? Oh. Will China so, do end to end encrypted iCloud backup? I'm guessing no. Do you think they'll well the, it, for them to get into China, they had to basically bend some of their own internal policy, right? Yeah. For how the devices work. Yep. So the iCloud for China is in China. It's not encrypted today. Uh, Chinese iPhones do not have the Taiwanese flag on it. They're even petty enough. They made Apple remove the Taiwanese flag emoji off it. And then they had that whole thing about crushing protests by turning off airdrops. So Apple does have a little bit of a black mark on the record when it comes to human rights, especially when it comes to China. At least in the rest of the world for privacy rights, they're doing very strong. For our second topic, related to our first topic, Apple has finally dropped their plan to scan user devices for child exploitation material, often referred to as CSAM. The feature was proposed over a year ago, and it was met with a huge backlash from civil liberties group as well as security researchers. It was just a little too creepy for Apple to be scanning user devices for this material. Although in practice, it would be done in such a way to preserve user privacy and no CSAM material would ever be downloaded onto someone's phone, just the hash values. And an independent third party audited the methodology Apple was planning to use and determined that there would be less than a one in a trillion chance of someone falsely being accused of possessing CSAM material. It was bad publicity and Apple was tired of trying to please privacy advocates, so they've just dropped the plan entirely. My personal belief is that Apple had Apple sold this better and got more people on their side before they announced the feature, it would have been more accepted and maybe would have stood a chance. I think it's a good thing that we're scanning people's phones and devices for this material with a one in a trillion chance of a false positive, but do it in a way that preserves user privacy. It's like DNA type of uh, accuracy, right? One in a trillion or yeah. even better at the Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Microsoft actually has a, a technology called PhotoDNA where they can take the picture because when, when you think about hash values, it's a one-way function. And if you change a single bit in the original file, the hash value comes out differently. So what some of these pedophiles are doing are they're changing it from color to black and white or they're cropping it to try to trick it to change the hash values so it doesn't match. But Microsoft found a way... They basically take the photo, put it in grayscale, take sections of it, hash sections of the photo, and then compare that to the hash values that come from the, the user's device. So even if somebody crops it or changes the color scheme of it, they'll still be able to detect it. They basically break down the photo into its DNA components. I'm with you, though. That's where fuzzy, yeah. That's where fuzzy hash came from as well, right? Is not well, not from specifically that. I know when we were looking at files a couple of companies ago, they would look at fuzzy hashes to see, you know, maybe someone tried to change a bit, add some lines, whatever. the The majority of the the hash could be there, but you know, there was a fuzzy portion of it that was specifically changed. Don't, don't know, right? That could could have been it. So. Yeah, I think I've seen fuzzy like, matching uh, on on documentation, like up to like ninety percent. Actually, looking at the payload as as opposed to the hash, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, the way I look at this, yeah, I mean, the way I look at this is if I mean, who who's to say 
that the the AI that they built is accurate, right? You can tell me it's a one in one trillion chance, but how'd you like to be that one in one trillion, right? And knowing me, I've had that type of luck where it's like, yeah, I had these pictures. It was of it was of little baby pigs, and the skin tone, whatever was really close and then all of a sudden it's like i'm a, i'm considered a pedophile and labeled and it's up to me to uh to fight my way out of there because of this ai right so i i'm more of like hey leave my stuff alone like don't you know like go go, go find go don't scan my stuff my stuff is my hardware like leave me alone i see where you're coming from but yeah. I, I still think it's a good idea i think uh i think apple should have done a better job with their pr on getting this out there because when i re first read it like jesus they're gonna scan all my photos yeah i don't know that i'm a board on this but the, the way that you're doing it makes a lot of sense hopefully they can get it back up and running i think you do a lot more good than bad um you know you, you do have to wonder right like as a parent right and you know a larger family we got lots of kids in the family, and you'd be surprised what gets sent, you know, of babies to you, right? You know, could that could be very easily construed as child porn. Meanwhile, it's just, you know, your niece or your nephew, you know, pushing their dump truck, right? And their butt crack happens to be out. Like, is that, you know, what kind of false positives are around that? I have no idea. Yeah, so I think the couple things there. So I think the benefits of catching the people that are circulating the CSAM material versus the one in a trillion chances of false positive. I think there's a moral argument to be made there that one outweighs the other. And then for Brian's point, there's there's actually two things that Apple did. So one Apple successfully pushed out, which was the parental controls. So if you're part of iCloud family and you have a child under 18 on your account, you can turn on a feature that tries to detect naked photos being sent over iMessage. And basically, it won't alert the parent and it won't stop the user from doing it, but it gives them warnings like, you know, we detected this might be a, a naked photo. Are you sure you want to send it? Here are some resources of why it's a bad idea to send it. And then it just makes sure that the user, uh, the, the child under 18 agrees to all that and understands the risks and everything, making it that much harder, but not stopping them. Uh, that got implemented. The That's actually awesome, Chris. So we, we do use that. And one of the problems that we had is SMS texting of inappropriate content coming through. So not even Apple blue messages, right? Just green stuff coming through yeah. and getting that warning. The, uh, I think it was my girls were just like, they were just like dumbfounded. They're like, this is so cool. Like they actually thought it was neat because you know, how, how would I frame this? Okay. Long story short, to have a phone in our household, you have to do well, right? You have to have straight A's, yada, yada, yada. So we're just picking up a phone number that was consumed by somebody else, right? And it's freaking Dale. And Dale just had, you know, collections <laughs> and like random text messages. And, you know, Dale was a pain in the neck. It unsubscribed from so much stuff. But, you know, unfortunately, Dale probably got some, you know, some questionable content sent to his phone as well. And this helped eliminate that entirely. That's that new phone who dis problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> number one reason why I won't change that, my number. I don't want someone else's headaches. Exactly. What was your you don't want to give someone else your headaches either. Yeah. Well, we've known Chris to play, uh, what do you, you troll a bunch of people when they're texting you, right? So, <laughs> my my do. favorite one is when, because 
for some reason, I don't know if it's targeted or not, but I get a lot of text messages in the Chinese language. And it's just like the, the same stuff in English that, that you would get. Like, hey, this is Joe. Like, are we meeting for dinner later today? And in Chinese, there's a block of text. You can find it online. Search for like copy pasta that will get you banned in China. And it has a whole bunch of words like Tiananmen Square, Great Leap Forward, Free Tibet. <laughs> it's got like all these words that would instantly ban you in China if you, you were to publish this. So I just send that and then I, I don't hear back from them after that. <laughs> nice. Bro, did you say copy pasta? Yeah, copy pasta. So I always try to write copy paste, but I'm always writing copy pasta. So yeah, copy pasta is like it. It it's it's internet slang. So it's a usually like a block of text that people copy over, copy and paste over and over again. It's referred to as a copy pasta. Okay, gotcha. Man, you're old. You're old, Brian. How do you not know that? <laughs> I am old. Thank you for that. Handsome hey, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For our third topic, have you guys ever been to a party that costs more than a half million dollars to throw and put together? So probably like, you know, for work events, I think those are probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they got to be right. A couple million. Yeah. So I've been to some nice parties at RSA and Black Hat and. I have to imagine renting out an entire nightclub plus open bar would cost them a pretty penny and that they were packed. So if I actually remember, so Rapid7 back in their VC money days before they became public would throw these crazy parties at, at RSA. I went to a couple and they were extravagant to say the least. Well, the EU, European Union, spent 400,000 euro. So that's actually roughly the same as US dollars now throwing a party in the metaverse and guess how many people showed up to it? I know me and five of my friends were there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nailed it. Is it the three of us? I don't remember going, but it was, <laughs> did we go? Six. Six people showed up to this party in the metaverse. How, how do how do you charge $400,000 for a metaverse party? There's no alcohol. What, what, what are you talking about? Like, what's the most expensive thing in the metaverse right now? Like, why? It's virtual. It's probably to hire people to design it and to promote it would be my guess. Uh, things like that remind me of Ready, Ready Player One. Yeah, so. right. We have a so Ready Player One Ready actually Player had one. people in it. I'm all in. Yeah, I would totally go if it was Ready Player One type. So one person who attended said the people were awkwardly making small talk with each other before signing off. So, ouch. Sorry, Zuck. It looks like the Metaverse-only party is a little ahead of its time. The purpose of the party was to pr promote the EU's Global Gateway Initiative to develop infrastructure in the developing world. Its goal is to promote and raise awareness of the projects the EU does around the globe, but it just went to promote that the metaverse still sucks. <laughs> Didn't he lay off like 17,000 people too from, from the metaverse? Just recently? Yeah, I think so. Which sucks. I, I hate that. Anyway, lost yeah. job. So they had 11,000 layoffs, I know. But I don't think it was the Metaverse one. Because Meta's division that does as Reality Labs. And I don't think the layoffs came from there. So Amazon definitely laid off 10,000 people from their Alexa division. But I don't think Meta laid off from the Metaverse. Because I think Zuck's still all in on the Metaverse. 11,000 jobs. 
on November 14th. Dang. Hey, this story actually brings me back to a throwback to last week's episode of like, how did we all become best friends? And actually, I think we were maybe at Black Hat in Las Vegas. This is when I'm just starting to get to know Chris. And I get like a message from him at like three o'clock in the morning to come to the bubble bath or sud party or something like that. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this dude? There's no way in hell I'm ever going to go to a party where there's bubbles being like, on top of that, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm asleep. Like Chris was a little party animal, man. Yes. I went to a pool party. Maybe was it, was it a pool party? I don't, I don't remember going to a bubble party during black cat. I think it was a pool party. It was pool, but there's what? bubbles. I think it's like this. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes, I, I remember did, which party. Uh, Marshmallow. Marshmallow was spinning there. I was trying to get you out because Marshmallow was spinning there that night. Did, did you swim, Chris, during this pool party? I did not. I did not come prepared for a pool party. I was just there to hang out, and I was with some other people there. Gotcha. On the list of heterosexual yes. things that you can do in life, that's definitely <laughs> probably not out there. <laughs> Go to a Vegas pool party, a bubble party. <laughs> for the for the listeners, by the way, conference. Yeah, yeah. For the listeners, we we all went to like a, a presidents club thing uh, a couple years back, and there was a pool that was just full of like the the bros, right? They they were just there to party and just get drunk. And then there was like the adult pool with just like us older people that would get up periodically to go use the restroom, you know, and just have a good time. There was a fundamental smell and color difference between the two pools there like <laughs> that other pool looked it was murky and i guarantee you people were just <laughs> all day long we call that the pp pool remember yeah the pp yeah. pool we called it someone else i'm not going to name call i'm not going to call that person out but there was a person in charge of that pool and we called it that person's pool you know who you are <laughs> For our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about an interesting article I read in the Wall Street Journal about seat saving on Southwest Airlines. So thank you, Glenn, for spoiling that at the top of the show. I know Brian flies exclusively with Southwest, so I'm interested in hearing your perspective on this. Southwest does not have assigned seats. You're given a boarding position based on status and fees, and it's first come, first served. The most coveted seats are the exit rows with unlimited legroom. So sometimes people pay huge fees to get to board first to snag those seats or build, build up enough status to be among the first to board. Southwest does not have an official seat saving policy. So when someone gets on early and saves the six exit row seats for their friends and family, the airline will not step in to resolve a dispute. To me, it's clear cut. If you pay for an early boarding privilege, you're entitled to take any open seats. There's no dibs in this. If you want your whole family to sit with you in the exit row, you should have paid for the whole family to have early boarding. I find that most people are reasonable that if a family wants to sit together, people will move, especially if it's a middle seat. I think reserving a middle seat is totally fine. There's another story in the article of a family that piled two backpacks and zipped up a hoodie over the backpack to make it look like someone was sitting in the window seat to reserve it until a passenger asked if that was a real person and then that family fessed up. So I'm going to let Brian go first since you fly exclusively on Southwest. Yeah, exclusively only because it's Arizona and I was covering a weird patch. But I will say I flew, I flew Delta the other day. Loved it. I'm going to have to try to figure out how to fly Delta more often. 
All right, with that said, you can't take an exit row if you have children. So game over, that doesn't even work. You have to be 18 or older. You have to be able to clear the aisle if something happens. Um, two, 15. Yeah. 15 and over. 15 and over. Oh, it's 15. Okay. I don't yeah. believe Number one, I didn't want that row. It's terrible. Yeah, I might get more leg room, but I can't even recline, so no thanks. Um, two, so we're a bigger family. There's six of us, and we, you know, it would be nice to kind of sit all together. I'm not going to buy Business Select to get all of us aboard at the same time. Uh, but what I do is, uh, you know, we do the early check-in, and usually for myself and one other person. So our goal is to take up an entire row and get everyone else aboard. <clears throat> now, with that said, we'll always, like, whoever that is, usually my youngest, she can board with me because that's just how Southwest does it. So we'll go in there, and if the rest of my group is a B boarding pass or higher, we will basically just take up a row right past the wing. So even if I'm boarding first on, I'm going to go to the very, very back, well, not the very back, behind the first row, or I'm sorry, behind the wing, which is usually behind the exit row, we'll sit right there. We're good to go. If they're C, then we will board like literally last row, second to last row. We'll just take up that, and then it's it's never supposed to be a problem. Never had a had a problem with it. But then again, Chris will say, "Well, it wasn't a problem because the way you look, Brian." Nah, 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 nah. That's not true. <laughs> you got a problem with me? You want that seat? <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, because there's there's a woman in this story. That that exact thing, same thing happened. So one, the, I think one of them, like the mother paid for early boarding, blocked all six exit row seats, and someone with like really high status got on and says, "Well, I'm I'm going to sit here." It's like, no, I'm reserving that for my family. And then nope. the yeah, the flight attendant wouldn't step in. And then the lady that that got on, she's like, "Well, I don't want to get in a verbal argument, so I let let them have it." I'm like, "No, if that was me, I'm going to say I'm sitting in any. I'm entitled to sit in any open seat. If if you want it, you're going to have to fight me for it. Like that's my stance." I, I've seen that. Like, uh, like I, I board pretty early. I get on, and I'm, I'm normally sitting there. And this lady will try and reserve the two seats. Like, if I reserve a seat, it's normally just for one person because it's, you know, my wife or one of the kids. So yeah, it's usually no a one, middle then too. Right? Yeah, it's usually a middle. Yeah. Yeah. No I don't cares. care if you reserve a middle. Like, if you reserve, yeah, an exit yeah. row seat or you know, window or an aisle. Yeah, that's. But this lady had right. reserved. She had taken a seat and she wanted the other two that was next to her in like that very first row that has, you know, the, um, the bulkhead, the, uh, the bulkhead. Yeah. And this lady came on and she says, there's no saving seats. And she just sat down and she said, do something about it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she came up bride Deach and the, and then the <laughs> Southwest, uh, she, she, she came up in a huffy puff and she was complaining to the agent, to the uh, Southwest uh, attendant and the attendant said, there's no seat savings, you know, it's open seating. So, you know, you either you can move or you can sit there, but there's no seat saving. And that ended that discussion pretty quickly. So, I, I, and I was thinking, oh man, there's going to be a fight. Someone's going to get kicked off the plane. There's going to be some police on the plane. And I was looking, I was waiting for it. I, I surprisingly don't see many airplane fights on Southwest, like fist fights or physical altercations. Uh -huh. Like I, I subscribe to some of these Reddits of, yeah, I don't know. You call it a guilty pleasure of of people fighting in public, and there are quite a few that I see on Spirit Airlines, Ryanair, and yeah. Frontier Airlines. So you tend to see this more on the discount airlines. I'm actually surprised you don't see more on Southwest due to this yeah. seat saving policy. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a lot of you though. I did have a guy, and it wasn't about seat saving. He was highly upset that he was like two or three people behind me. 
And the two or three people, we all took a row. Uh, we all took seats in the exit row. And I guess he was part of this basketball or football team. And I took the seat that had the longest leg room, like, you know, the one by the window. Yeah. Because, you know, I was with another guy. And he sat there and the whole time. He goes, look at you. Why do you have that seat? And I said, hey, next time, pay to be up front a little further. Like, you don't have the right status, so just shut up. It's not going to do you any good. Tough. He tried to guilt you into it. Yeah, like, no, dude. Uh, no. Like I said, get better status is what I told him. That's when you, you put on your, your Beats headphones, and then you start singing mm-hmm. that Alec Black song, and you can tell everybody. You know, that old <laughs> Colin Kaepernick commercial. <laughs> he's oh, the man, so he's funny. the man, he's the man. Oh, yeah. We came out of, we came off the plane, and he was still mouthing off as we were going through the terminal. Jeez. So I was like, tough Real classy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm like Glenn. I'm unmovable. Once it. Once I sit down, I'm taking both armrests. This is game over. But uh, did you guys hear that? Actually, Southwest is actually, I think, piloting an idea of having families board first, but they have to sit in the back of the plane. I can get on board with that. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to separate families, and the back of the plane is not. It's. Yeah, I, not, I, I can get on that. Yeah. Like, I prefer not to sit back there, but when I do fly with my family, I think I prefer to sit back there, and just because you could be together and you're not fewer people to bother. Yeah, if I had to save four seats, I would sit in the back of the plane just because I know no one wants those seats, right? And the, the better chance, especially my kids are boarding B, no one's going to argue for those seats back there. But if I sit in the front and I had to save four seats, oh man, it'd, it'd be hellacious trying to convince people to pass up those seats, especially another row either behind me or ahead of me. No chance. Yeah. Yeah. On the uh, the Delta flight, <clears throat> was it the Delta? No, it was a Southwest flight. Yeah, because they were boarding last. We had a, a family come in. And it was a woman and a man. And homeboy was like, he's big. Like he was probably 270, six foot five, just a beast. And they're like, they got in the, the, the announcement saying, we're looking for volunteers to, to keep this family together. And I was like, there's no way in hell. Like what? Like, I don't even like, I was just sitting there laughing. They're just like, I don't get this. And then they proceed to say that it's a mother and a son. The son is 13 years old and he's terrified of flying. And I was like, what? That kid is not 13 years old. It's like a 26 year old. <laughs> like, like, no way. And so some young, uh, nice gentleman, he gets up cause the, the middle seat was empty. He, he trades up and gives it to them. And I was like, Oh, you know, there's a, there's a hero everywhere, I guess. And homeboy on the plane was like shaking. Like it was like, he was like, he was hunched over into mom's lap and I could see him visibly like shaking. He was so nervous about flying. So I totally judged the book by its cover. I felt bad for him, but you gotta get it. You gotta man up eventually. But yeah, he was sobbing. Like he was scared. Yeah. That's yeah. Flying can be terrifying for people. So yeah, I guess everyone's got their fears and thankfully someone, someone else stepped up and let them sit together. Not me. I'm asleep before the plane even taxis. So <laughs> narcolepsy, immovable object. That's it. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian's up. You know, everyone's worried about their smart TV or their uh, their phone spying on them. Listen, your vacuum has been collecting dirt on you for years. 
Wow, wow, wow. Nice. All right, to wrap things up, a German woman almost killed her roommate because of alerts. Apple announced new security and privacy protections. Apple finally drops their plans to scan user devices for CSAM material. Six people showed up to a $400,000 party in the metaverse. And seat saving is not cool. Don't do it. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five tar- stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-hosts, Glenn Medina and Brian Deach, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia. Bye-bye. <laughs>